What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Howdy, all. Uh, happy Thursday. Um, it's game seven night, so we're going to be talking about Nashville and Winnipeg. But we have to start pre-show with the events that happened last night. I only picked up on it after getting back from a concert last night about 11 o'clock. By the way, I have to recommend, even without Scott Weiland, the Stone Temple Pilots, they're oh, they're still pretty good. I mean, this new, oh, wow. the new singer is, is not – he's not Scott Weiland, but he's pretty good, and they're the same band. It was it was a, it was a great show in Buffalo. Um, but I got home, and um, the Yankees game had just ended, and I'm checking through Twitter, and I see Lehigh Valley and Charlotte going to – Quadruple, they were in quadruple overtime. They were in the fourth overtime. It went to the fifth. And just to start off with, Kevin, what's the longest game that you've ever been at? Well, that one would be longer. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I would be three. I think it's three overtimes. I don't remember going any fours. Um, I obviously wasn't at the Mud Brunito game, even though some readers think I was. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I've been around a long time, but not quite that long. But uh, that—that's a, you know, five overtimes. It, it's interesting because I have just been writing uh, for some project that I'm doing about the uh, famed Easter epic with, um, you know, Pat Lafontaine, and mm -hmm. that one, you know, obviously didn't even get close to. Uh, six, but that one just seemed like an eternity. Uh, Was, wasn't there? Wasn't a Philly Pittsburgh that went five with yeah. with, yeah, with the yeah. Yeah. I watched that. I wasn't was it five or was that four? It was five. I have five. a good story about that one too. Okay. So um, my um my actual so my part of our wedding vows for my my wife and I was that I would learn to ski and that she vowed, which I which I have very poorly done, and she vowed to watch hockey, which she later later amended to mean watch playoff hockey. Um, so she will watch the playoff hockey. So we were house sitting for this family. Um, we had just moved. It was before we were married that Keith Primo five overtime game. We were house sitting for this family. And, uh, I said, listen, I said that, you know, I hadn't made her watch the couple of playoff games. I was like, let's watch tonight just from beginning to end. She's like, oh, she's like all right, I'm in. She's like, I'm in, I'm in hundred percent. I'm going to watch tonight from beginning to end. So, and so we were in the house sitting and we found in this, this house, it was a big old house. It was an over 55 community, a whole bunch of stories about that in of itself. So we were in a, like a, the house of two people that had just died. It was really spooky. We didn't know where everything was. It was friends of ours, parents. Um, so we go to the basement. I'm like, hey, in the basement, there's like a whole room for watching TV. We had never been there before. So we go down to that room. We sit in that room. And from the first period till the end of the fifth overtime, sat there and she watched the entire thing. Um, no, and it no was bad, like, no I'm like I swear to you, most games are not this long. You know, it was that kind of thing. It's like yeah. eight periods long. Well, but, I, um, I mean, it was I, amazing. I, that was a, that was a great one. I watched the game that you were talking about, uh, Kevin. Uh, the the Lafontaine game, uh, the famed one in Buffalo, the triple overtime game between them and New Jersey, where Dave Hannon scored on Marty Brodeur. That was a game six in the playoffs. Um, the great duel between Hasek and Brodeur. Um, 
But and I was at a triple overtime game last year for the AHL between Albany and and, and Toronto, and it got so bad. It, it got so long that like and this, and this is just behind the scenes, folks. You know, media people they go in for their media meal at like say if the game starts at seven o'clock, the you know you go, we go in a couple hours. It's five o'clock. You you eat dinner, and you know it's 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 not that big of a deal to go through the to go through three periods, and then you either go get something to eat after the game, or you're fine. Well, it got to the third overtime, and everybody like we ran out of water. Everybody was starving, and the PR staff for the Marlies brought up some like like chocolates, uh, chocolate can, you know, candy stuff and, and some bottled water. And about maybe like 20 minutes after that, they, they finally scored to end the game. But it was, you know, it was getting to the point where, you know, everybody was like, had this famished look on their face, but you know, triple overtime is not as bad as five. That's on you. I've been to games where if I feel like it's going into overtime, I go right to the snack bar and I load up and I get water and everything because I've been through that before too, and it will never happen again. Hashtag never again. But the other the other thing is I didn't go, but Sportsology did cover the Michael Layton game in Albany when he had 98 saves. And so I remember when, when my reporters sent that one in. Like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah Alex Lyon, 94 saves. Love that. That's yeah. unbelievable. I know. That's an amazing More saves thing. than, you know, than uh, Michael Neuverth. And um, Brian Elliott made in the playoffs, I thought. And it puts to shame, <laughs> shame Ron Tugnut. Remember that? What was it was it, was it like 70, 73 saves, yeah, Ron Tugnut? Yeah. Wasn't there a really good triple overtime game in the Detroit-Pittsburgh series a while back in Detroit? Yeah, well, I, I can't remember that one. I do remember the triple overtime Larianoff goal in the final. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, what – struck me about that is is that um igor larry you know when you cover the league you end up with relationships with players uh yeah. and you know some are better than others and one of the guys that i always had a great relationship with was igor larianov who i had the utmost respect for for what he had accomplished in in russia but what he and i really uh disagreed on is is that igor believe it or not believes that the nhl tradition of settling overtime games by just letting them go on and on and on five <laughs> on five is ridiculous. Like he, he, he would rather go to a shootout. Oh, wow. And, and I, you know, I am stunned by that. Now, I don't know. He might've changed his mind, you know, now, but if I had to guess, I would guess that, you know, he would say just reduce the number of players, but he, his argument was that it no longer becomes a contest of skill but of just a lucky bounce and a luck and the fatigue plays such a, a role in it. And, you know, of course I countered with, yeah, but that's what makes it so unique that. Yeah, and there's a will and a skill to that. Anyhow. Well, he didn't see it that way. You know, he just thought that fatigue becomes the overwhelming factor um, yeah, as a war opposed to. That's yeah, a war and, and he, you know, is, you know, he basically, he's a soccer fan as I am. And his argument is, is that, you know, the soccer is, is, is a much bigger game, as we all know, in terms yeah. of the world stage. And if it's, you know, shootout is good enough for them, uh, it's good enough uh, to decide hockey. So, but it shouldn't, it shouldn't be good enough for soccer. That's the problem. Soccer has it all wrong. Like that, I, Well, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I you know, I've covered the World Cup once, and yeah. I ended up uh, writing a story about, about shootouts. And they, you know, people – love the shootout tradition except for americans people love the yeah. shootout tradition almost as much as we love our 
NHL. Yeah, I guess what you get. Guess it's what you're used to. I mean, I think I think that you know, major soccer. If they went to seven v seven and played the rest of the way and, and played an overtime period, ten minute overtime period in soccer, you would have unbelievable stuff happening. Like you would have incredible. Like, it feels be, too big for that. That's yeah. It'd be like the MISL. That's what it would be like. I don't know. Yeah. I think that you'd have you'd have all kinds of skill and something. I, I mean, have a better idea. Yeah. How about you? You you have a smaller goal that you bring in after the game is in into overtime and you wheel out the really big one and you bring in a smaller one and and then you just keep all the guys there just do that uh, yeah, it, it, uh, yeah i'm so looking forward to the u.s in the world cup yeah we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. this big one to shoot at now now you blew it well here's the thing here's the thing guys as much as i'm a hockey guy more so than a soccer guy when they have the world cup without the united states whose whose ratings you think will do better the NHL playoffs or the World Cup of Soccer? It's going to be the World Cup, but it doesn't mean it's better. I got to tell you, every time on NBCSN, I, if I fall asleep to a game and the next day I turn on NBCSN or next afternoon and there's a soccer game, it's always nothing, nothing. It doesn't matter what time it is. You could say 31 minutes. It could say 47 minutes. Like, I don't even understand it. See, I'm gonna, there's a, there is a, there is a, a cafe in Buffalo that – specializes in showing the world cup games and like all the different groups of you know fans for the different teams go there. I'm going to go there just cause it's a trip to go there. And I'd love to go there if, if the U S was there, but they screwed up and, and they, they're not there. So I'll have to wait four years to have that kind of party, but it's going to still be interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. I ended up uh, doing uh, a story and the, when the world cup was in the United States on, uh, I think his last name was Darlene. But he was the first black player in the Swedish soccer league. Okay. And um, I ended up talking to him, and I went down uh, to the practice, and I was walk looking at the trainer, and he looked familiar, and he was just standing around. So I walked up to him. I started talking. I said, you know, you look familiar to me. And he goes, well, I train hockey too. And I said, ah, oh, that's where I know you from. And we started ended up talking everything. That's and I asked him, I said, what is the difference in uh, training you know, for soccer and hockey. He goes, well, there are a lot of similarities, and a lot of difference. And I said, who's in better shape? And what do you think he said to that? It's not, you got to say hockey. No, it's not even close. He said, it's soccer. You know, really? you know what? It's, it's better aerobic shape. But Gordy Howe once told me that the continuous movement of hockey is, is the hardest sport because of that reason. I'm going with Gordy. Yeah, well, I, hey, look, I, 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 I think, you know, you're splitting hairs. I think both guys, you know, they're in great shape. <laughs> plus, you know, no one's trying to run you over in soccer. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, right. there's that element as well. I want to go back, though, to, to tell this story because I think it's uh, a fun one. We were talking about overtime, um, and um, I don't remember the particulars of the uh, the game, but it was an overtime game. Anaheim was in Nashville. And as we all know, one of the issues when you go into overtime, just as um, – Russ was talking about in preparing yourself, the, the players get hungry and yeah. there's no meals ordered. Right. And, you know, so what are they going to do? Well, what the, the Anaheim Ducks did, I was told, was they went and there was a food spread set out for the, the uh, players of the uh, Nashville Predators. And the, I don't know who, but some members of the Ducks stole the Predators' <laughs> food for after the game. And then well, took it in between periods so you guys could eat. Nice. I've seen emergency pizza get get delivered. I yeah, have. what that happened in the uh, and again, I, I'm just finishing a project about that Easter Epic game, and that happened in that game. They ordered pizzas, 
and they brought him down. Um, and, you know, amazing thing about that game, um, which stretched into four overtimes, was the uh, guys were so, you know, punch drunk that they were telling jokes uh, between <laughs> periods, and they were just butchering the jokes because they were, you know, so fatigued. Yeah, they were just asked, you know? and, and that was funnier than the actual jokes. It's the fact well, that you couldn't get them out. So. Well, Ken, Ken, Ken Campbell wrote about the game about the game today, and apparently, what happened was one of the players for Lehigh Valley, his aunt had brought him brownies for after the game, and they basically they ate the brownies. Yeah, yeah, that'll do okay. it. Good for the aunt, you know. That'll do it. I'm um, that that um that the Islanders Capitals game seven. That that was like you say it was the it was the night before Easter and I was again another story of a girl you know that for that all my all my long overtime games are somehow I was dating somebody at the time and um and and I was like she's like we got to decorate Easter eggs and I'm like okay I'm, I'm like that's cool but we're gonna be out we're out late so we decorate Easter eggs and I didn't watch a bit of that game <laughs> and I came I came back later that night you know and I just assumed it was over you know and it, it you know so I didn't even put it on I didn't even put the TV on. You know, and then next morning I wake up four overtimes. You know, I could have watched like the last three overtimes at my house. This is really <laughs> so. Well, 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 that story is you care more about. I mean, now you certainly care about more about hockey than girls. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> I've seen that. Yep. All right, let's um, begin. Let's Ready? start the show. <laughs> All right, hello, hockey world. It's Thursday, May tenth, two thousand and eighteen. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen, USA Today Sports. And I am Eklund, and you're watching the Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes to you every Monday through Friday at some point in the afternoon uh, to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And today, at Game 7, I'm really jealous I am not in Nashville for this. I can't imagine how much fun it must be right now outside um, of the arena and everything with everything that's going on. Yeah, you uh, could be kissing a catfish or smashing a... A car. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I went down. My wife smashed the car last year in the finals. That was great. No, it's totally, totally, absolutely. Get some going to be going to be a blast. And and the funny thing that the common thread about today's today tonight's games from everybody I've been talking to, everybody around, is no one has any idea what the hell's going to happen. I'm with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, like it's a complete toss up. Um, yeah. You know, the, the one thing I would say if you were looking for factors. Um, you know, how often do we say that experience in the playoffs matter? And, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've thought that the Predators went to school last year during the postseason. They yep. they basically watched what the Penguins did and how they survived. And mm -hmm. um, I thought that they learned a lot. And I thought game six sort of reflected the understanding they now have of how to dig deep and, you know, come up with – I mean, they played the perfect road game uh, mm -hmm. in that game. So now the big question is they've never had a game seven in nashville and uh we'll see you know kind of how they respond to that yeah i, I thought that i thought they pretty much sort of mimicked the penguins even during the off season last year because they went out and got benino it's like they right. they realized okay you know they were decimated injury wise and they didn't have any depth up the middle going into the stanley cup final but this year with getting johansson back then they they trade for tourists they signed benino the, you know they bring back Fisher. They're strong up the middle, and and yeah, Kevin, you're right. I mean they they reacted like a a seasoned veteran, experienced team in Game Six, but they they did the same thing in Winnipeg that they did in Game Four. They came out and they shut down the crowd. Now this is yeah. Pekka Rene's game. I do. I think yeah, he could break the will of the Winnipeg Jets because of the experience he has. If he 
plays at the top of his game like he did earlier in the series and parts of the series. So if, if he does that, I think that could break the will of Winnipeg. That's their best bet. You know, the, this, this is, uh, you know, regardless of what happens, though, I'm going to say, leaving aside the, the theatrical presence of the Vegas Golden Knights, I think the Jets have been the most fun team to watch. Like, oh, no question. Yeah. Their ability to just goal, score goals in bunches and, you know, the dynamic nature of several of their players. And, you know, Shifley doing his Eiserman, Messier, James, yeah. Crosby impression. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I have been so entertained by this team. I really enjoyed watching them. Um, and they've, they've got all the elements. And if they don't win tonight, you know, they're going to be good for a, a very long time. I, that's where I'm going with this too, Kev. I completely agree. I feel as if, like I said this the other day, but I do feel as if the Winnipeg Jets now are way better than the Winnipeg Jets at the end of the season even. Oh, I think, sure. oh, I think so, yeah. You know, yeah. And, they, and they've gotten better each round of the playoffs. And, they, and, if, if, they, and you know, if they continue, if they get through this, it's going to be hard to, hard to stop them. But if they, I do think that, but if, and I've, um, but if they, you know, and if they lose here, they're going to be deadly next year. You know, it's yeah. just one of these things yeah. that com- they're completely. I was going to say, I was going to say either way, act, they're going to be hard to stop because yeah, you know, the only, yeah, honestly, the only thing that can really stop them is cap problems because they have players that are integral to that team being yeah. successful who are coming up on contracts. You know, they have to lock up line A. They have to re-sign Wheeler. Truba's an RFA. Isn't you know, Enstrom a UFA? Enstrom's a UFA, yeah. Hellebuck is an RFA. They have to get him signed. So they've got like three or four sort of crossroads contracts that they really have to deal with, and it's going to test Kevin Shovel Day off because I think you know, for this team to continue on this path, I think they need – most or all of these guys, maybe they can let Paul Stastny go because he was a, a late rental. But even him, it's like, I mean, he's been part of this and, you know, he's been really good in the playoffs for them. He was ahead yeah, of For them. the most part, I mean, I do see your point um, because they do have so many guys. But for the most part, historically, the teams have been able to yes. sort of figure it out and uh, a way to do it. And eventually it does bite you, though, uh, yeah. as we see. You know, like the Capitals had their time last summer where they, you know, they ran into such problems that they had to move guys they didn't want to move in to get rid of guys. And, you know, the the Blackhawks have gone through it. But I, I think initially the Jets will figure out how to get everybody under contract. Um and then at some point it will bite them, but it won't be for a few years. You know, it's incumbent upon these teams to drag out their old people for good luck, right? So, like, Winnipeg has a retired policeman who's 102 years old. He retired in 1969. And <laughs> wow, Sergeant John Ken Hansel wants a gift on his 103rd birthday of the, of the Jets bringing – bringing home the cup. And so like now Nashville has to come up with someone like at least 102 years old. That's a good challenge right there. So he retired when the Mets won the world series. Yeah. I, yeah. That's amazing. I would have retired then too, if I could. <laughs> that, well, I, I did a whole thing on my blog today about superstitions for people, you know, because this, this, this is definitely the game that brings out that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, it, it's, this is the game where you do your thing. Like I, you know, I have a rooting interest. I, I make no bones about the fact that I'm a big fan of the Predators organization. So I'm like, 
and and you know this playoff series my wife and i have gone to gone to this one particular bar and, and each time we've gone there you know we went to watch two flyers games two of the game the two games of flyers one in pittsburgh we saw at that bar um and so we're so she's this morning she's like you know where we're going tonight i'm like yeah i guess i know where we're going tonight right so we're just gonna go and everybody has those things you know it's it's just kind of crazy um and i think that this brings it out because yeah, I, when, I, it, when I, it could go either way and they have no idea what's happening, you know, you, you can't help but think that somehow you're responsible, you know, like yeah, I, I've yet to find, I've yet to find those things act because the Leafs haven't won since 2004. Right. Right. That guy, going back to that 102 year, he's been retired 49 years. <laughs> that's, that's, that's really remarkable. <laughs> that's, that's what I said. Yeah, I mean, forty nine years he's been retired. Like there are people now who are getting forced out at forty nine. He, reti he retired before Neil Armstrong stepped on the moon. Yeah, that's that's awesome. By the way, can I just say that's just awesome? I'm tracking somebody in 2015. Tennessee had a woman who was 106. I'm seeing if she's still around. <laughs> I'll let you know. We got to get on the phone to the predators right now. I, I wanted to bring you something. I want to bring up something which I think is interesting, and and I have uh, kind of trial ballooned this um, with some folks who do not support what I have to say about this. Right. And I, first of all, let me confess, as everyone knows, that I'm an original six snob. That I grew up, yeah. as we all know, in the Detroit area, watching Gordie Howe, and to me, uh, I started watching hockey when there were six teams, and I I certainly appreciate the romantic period of the original six hockey yeah. however saying all that like i have been fascinated and have enjoyed the acceptance that we now have of hockey vegas style hockey nashville style hockey winnipeg style like yeah and I know, and as I said, people have told me that they, they don't like it. That, But I really like that, you know, that we no longer, or to a lesser extent, because there's still some uh, Neanderthals, and I used to be among them, <laughs> that look at what, uh, uh, you know, the way they do it in the, in the southern markets or the non-traditional markets and just go, oh, man, like, that's not hockey. I mean, we, we think of hockey, we think of Toronto. In Montreal, where you know, I, I love going to Montreal in the playoffs when everybody's talking about the playoffs, and you know, they don't need to smash up cars or right. they have such tradition and everything else. But saying all that, as much as I love that, I've now learned to appreciate that you know, it's just fun to go to these different venues and say, okay, this is the way they do hockey, all and right. it, hey, it's great that we do it in Montreal the way that Montreal does it, and I love. The Toronto, um, we're never going to win again um, type, uh, you know, <laughs> attitude that they have. And, you know, the woe is us. Uh, type. I love, you know, I love the, the tradition of it all. But I think it's fun that, you know, we have a castle in Vegas and they mm -hmm. run a play before the game starts. And that we <laughs> that, that you high five the fans and throw catfish in, yeah. in Nashville. And um, wow. I, I just think the league has become you know, a uh, kind of a more accepting we can all, there's room for us all. You know, we're they're kind of the rainbow uh, <laughs> coalition of uh, of sports. So You're not getting any argument from me, or I don't think anybody on the panel, because I think we're all, I, maybe Mike, but, you know, I think everybody no, else. No, 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 I, I, I wouldn't argue about that, but I, I, I have to say, though, that, and maybe it was born out of the fact that they lost to Carolina in 06, 
but I know for a few years there was a lot of like sort of Buffalo snobbery about a non-traditional hockey market winning over them. Oh, they, they're not going to care about this in three yeah, years, you know. And, and I and and I I I do think that there and, and and not me and not people that I know, but I do think there will be people in other markets, say St. Louis, maybe Toronto, maybe Montreal, that will be pissed off if Vegas walks in in a first year and wins the Stanley Cup as an expansion team. They won't see Cinderella. They'll be pissed off that their team either has not been run well enough to win a Stanley Cup for the number of years that they haven't, or the fact that this team just walked in and you know, in their minds, locked out. They'll blame Gary Bettman. There's no well, yeah, well, well, I'm glad you brought that up, Mike, because I saw um, uh, Greg Wyshynski uh, wrote about that very subject uh, for ESPN, uh, Puck Daddy. I think some of you know him as, but uh, he had this uh, story about the fact that just what Mike said, that people are unhappy, and even to the point where they think it was designed to, mm -hmm. which I, I totally yeah. laugh about. Totally laugh That's about. ridiculous. Um, because let me pose this question. They're going to have the same sort of setup for Seattle. What are the odds that the Seattle team could duplicate yeah. what, what the Vegas Golden Knights are? Because I think they're slim and none. Yeah, wow. not not a chance, not a chance in hell for for a number of reasons. One right. of which, and 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 Russ said this earlier in the week, they're not going to get a, a an all star goaltender like Mark Andre Fleury in the expansion draft. But I think general managers in this league in 2020 or whenever it is that that, that Seattle has their expansion, they're going to be more prepared. They're not going to be screwed so much on no move clauses. They'll be more prepared. Right. They won't be hope you know for their sakes they won't be as hard up against the cap as some teams were. They won't be as willing to give up draft picks as they were. They'll just say, "You know what? Take you want a guy, take the guy." And I think that that's that's what's going to happen. I'll give you an example of how it'll be different. James Neal, if he was available in 2020, would be traded to another team. He yes. would not be lost. You know, I, I think basically David Poyle just thought, well, I'll figure out a way to make a deal with George yeah. and was stunned that he couldn't couldn't do it because George has said, I want James Neal. <laughs> you know, so, you know, he can play. So, and of all people like, you know, Poyle and McPhee, they they know each other pretty darn well. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think, though, that's not going to happen. Yeah. anymore. You are not going to lose an asset like James Neal. And I think some of the deals, you know, I, I think rather than have to make the gun to the head moves with the expansion team, you'll see like a team like Minnesota, you know, look what they lost, Tuck and, and Halla. Um, and uh, did they give him a draft pick too? Russ, do you remember? I, I, uh, I think it was. Yeah, seems seems like they did. But anyway, I, I may be wrong on that. But anyway, the, the point of all of that is, is I think next time around, they'll trade those players to another team. Yeah. You know, but, 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 but the thing, the thing yeah. is though, you know, George McPhee took that stance, say, use the James Neal example. He took that stance with Neal because he figured, okay, I'm, we're probably not going to be contending for a playoff spot more than likely. We can, I can flip James Neal at the deadline for a first round pick and something. Cause he's a good forward and he can score and this and that. And they had this remarkable season and he ends up keeping him and maybe he loses him in free agency, but nobody in Vegas is complaining. Well, um, I think you're right on that. Um, but I don't think it, you know, when we talked about this, that was always front and center. Right. Um, like, you know, when we talked about that, but 
you know, I've come to find out from, you know, writing about this team so often and talking about George, they actually didn't think quite like that. Like mm. they were trying to, I mean, they, they certainly understood all that and that was part of their planning, but they were trying to be competitive, like much more so than I think any of us envision. Like, I, I think when we were sort of looking at this team, we were looking at it in the traditional sense of what expansion teams have always done, right, you know, right, which yeah. is to build for the future. And though they never suspected, and they will admit that they would be this good, they were, you know, trying to build a team that they thought could be successful right away in terms of being competitive. I, mean, I have an so, answer. So, so for ten, there's, there's a woman. A woman Mabel Robertson turned 107 in February. She's from Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and she is like the second of the oldest people like in the United States that has come out of that county. So there's something going on in that county. But at the end of the day, Tennessee has Winnipeg beat. Oh, Russ, when we're sitting around watching the expansion draft and the NHL awards folded in last year in Chicago, you, did you think that 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 Vegas was putting together a team that was bound to be or was being modeled as being competitive? Because I I no. didn't. No. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I they they, they did think they were going to be competitive. Now, yeah. now again, the definition of competitive. Sure. What is that? Right. And you know, I, when you're sitting around, when they're sitting around, they're saying, you know, when you're putting a team together like that. It definitely you have to get caught up into it a little bit. You're like, okay, you know, oh, you know, we're gonna be better than we think. You know, this guy's yeah, this guy's pretty good. I can't believe we got this guy. And you got to be getting caught up as you're doing it, you know. And and, and there's got to be a whole, you know, and then you have to take and the enthusiasm. They did have a new market. They were afraid that you know, will this? I mean, will this market work? There's all kinds of things that were there. I mean, you know, so they did have to do that. But yeah. I do, I do. I mean, to, to just how crazy it is like I go back to my thirty, my thirty wacky predictions I do every year. You know, one of my wacky predictions was that Nash was that sorry that Vegas would be in first place at thank by Thanksgiving, but would then fall out. Like I, I had a feeling that they were I had a feeling that they might just for some reason come out really strong. And yeah. that would be it. You know, and that was the craziest thing I could think of. And I talked about it on the show and everybody's like, oh yeah, I don't think that's happening. You know, that kind of thing. And uh it it then it and it even I like, you know, even even trying to think of the craziest thing I could think of in my wacky prediction thing, you know, couldn't the wackiest I could get was first place by Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, competitive, competitive could have basically in their minds could have been, let's just not get destroyed. Let's not get walked all right. over. Let's not be embarrassing. And, you know, th and, you know, that, that's probably the, one of the main reasons why they picked Flurry because Flurry is a great goaltender. And we thought, okay, he'll keep them in games. It, it, it will be, you know, at least it will be competitive. But nobody suspected this. So oh, I, mean, I didn't think they, you know, like I thought they would be okay yeah. defensively, but I didn't think they'd score any goals. Yeah. But, right. Yeah. You know, they've ended up exceeding expectations. Um, and, and isn't isn't it ironic right now, Kevin, that the one move that people are questioning with George McPhee, like everything has turned out great. And I heard I heard a couple of days ago the one thing that he's done that they're questioning is the Tatar deal because he's been a, he's been off and on scratch during the playoffs, and they gave up three draft picks for him. Yeah, but that's just you know. The, uh, that's 18 people on social media, <laughs> right? you know, like, it's, honestly, you know, I've, I've moved so far past that. I, you know, I think everybody who saw that trade wondered what George was thinking, but you know, he's done so much good that I think it's almost unfair to nitpick. Yeah. Um, that hey, you can't nitpick at all. 
But here's the thing. Now, here's the thing that I that you know we sit there and we talk about things will be different next time. Let's go through and I mean, not we don't we can do this in the summer at some point for sure. But and yeah. this is an idea for a later show because this is a whole show in and of itself. What players, you know, would if they if teams could go back now and change their mind on letting players go, would mm-hmm. they? Like there are certain players, of course, you know, like Carlson from you know from Columbus. No one expected him to do that, you know, that kind of right. thing. But but I don't know that a lot of change. I don't know that they would have gone a oh, lot no, of different Minnesota ways. Minnesota would not have just given up Alex Tuck. There's no yeah. right. Okay, there's that's a good one. Yeah. Now, no. would, but would Pittsburgh have just have would they would they have let um, you know Murray go and keep Mark Andre Fleury? No, no, no. Way. no. Flo- I mean, Florida gave away Marcia so to have them take Riley Smith off their hands. Do you think they Correct. would do that? They wouldn't no. do that again either. Right. That's for sure. And there there are ones you can definitely question, but there I think there's a lot of them that. But that, you know, this is just a matter of the sum is greater than the parts type thing. You know, like, I think that yeah. they just yeah, I mean, really... some of that. But again, Carlson really had a lot of talent. He just wasn't getting playing time and the right. You know, though, Russ, he really was like, I, I thought that, mm-hmm. too. But I, I'm actually writing about this tomorrow. Mm. I, I went back and I looked and he was second power play unit and penalty killing, you know, yeah. for. Yeah, but who were his line mates? His everyday line mates. Well, I I, I don't remember, but yeah, I, I, I I did look it up. But he was actually playing kind of good, and um, I thought uh, I did talk to uh, Yarmo Kekalainen about it, um, and he basically made you know a good point. Like who knows? But he may not have. Maybe he just needed to change the scenery. Like yeah, you know, that, that's what I think a lot of people would say. I I mean you know because it wasn't like he didn't get a lot of opportunities. He had. What eighteen goals in one hundred ninety three games, and yeah. you know he was penalty killing. He was second power play. Um, you know he was getting some. You know it's not like uh, like they didn't play him on the top line, but you know he didn't start on the top line with Vegas either. You know he, right. he just moved up. I think he um, or was was he with them now? I don't think he was. I don't think he was with uh, Smith and um, he was with the. Uh... He's with Marcia so and uh, Smith now. Yeah, Smith. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I mean, I, did he start with them? I, you know, I don't I'm, remember. I'm fairly sure he did. Yeah. Okay. Well, Riley Smith is another great example. I mean, Riley Smith has been, you know, he had he had a really good career for a while. You know, in the NHL, he, he was looking very good. Then signed a contract in, you know, Florida that was pretty high. Like it did a pretty good UFA deal, if I remember right, right. And because of his what points in Boston, right. So then he was doing doing better and better and better. And then you know suddenly. He get they they let him go because his number his number was too high for what he was. Well, I see. I think I think he I think he was moved on for one simple reason because his deal was a deal signed by the analytics group in Florida. It was not a Dale Talon contract, and they wanted to they wanted to clear out they wanted to clear out salary, and that's you know I mean. Now, Marcheseau was brought in by that same group, and he scored 30 goals. So maybe they didn't think he could repeat that, and they, you know, that they just moved them both on. But yeah, I mean, if they had had to do it over again, yeah, they probably would change change their path. Yeah, I've got a list here where Carlson was playing fourth line with Calvert and Josh Anderson at one point. He was he was all over the. They they did try to play him. I mean, and then no, they Kevin, played him. But I'm just saying, I just I think the opportunity has really helped him too. But you might be right. Also, Wyatt kid. Yeah, he, he, there's really no question he's gotten more of an opportunity. Sure. Thing is for yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I wasn't trying to suggest that. I'm just saying yeah. it wasn't like 
<clears throat> you know, they didn't give him a chance to play in Columbus. Right. No, Kevin, um, I, I want to see where you fall in, in this because we were talking about Washington beating Pittsburgh, and of course, Ack was celebrating with with massive glee at the. It's, uh, the, one the, of, yeah, it's the, the only series I got right in the second yeah. round, Mike. That's I'm not. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> I know. Too happy. I'm just. <laughs> but there's there are two ways that the Capitals can go here because they finally, you know, they've stepped on the neck of the Penguins. They've slayed the Dragon. They beat Sidney Crosby. They could be satiated. They could be satisfied that they won over that team and not say lay down, but have a, have a sense of satisfaction and maybe not have the killer instinct that most teams would have going into a conference final against Tampa. Or they could be like the Boston Red Sox in 04 after they beat the Yankees and that they're unbeatable now that they finally – Vanqu- you know, vanquish the Yankees and mm-hmm. they win the World Series and the, the, the Caps would win the Stanley Cup. Which which way or which way do you think that's going to go? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to split the difference on that because I just think that this team, this Capitals team is certainly capable of winning the Cup. But, mm-hmm. you know, getting by Tampa, you know, I'm going to go with Tampa, even though I yeah. feel like the Capitals could win that series. Uh, and the reason I am is if you look at the Lightning now, um, you know, they've got a Vezina uh, finalist in net. They got a Norris finalist on defense. Yep. They have the number one offense in the league. Um, you know, their coaching is first rate. Their power play is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a bunch of gritty guys. Their defense has guys like Girardi and Strawman and McDonough who all can be shut down guys. Right. Um, like they just have all of the elements. And as much as I've admired how well the uh, Capitals have played, I just don't think that they can match the depth nor the experience that these um, Lightning players have. Like, they've played together and made noise before. They've been this far. um, And they just have a greater understanding. So, you know, for that reason, just based on the fact that I think experience does matter, I'm taking the Lightning. Mm. But you know, do I feel comfortable with that pick? Well, not not overly, <laughs> you know, because the, the Capitals have been impressive. Like, um, and you know, it's a washing goal because Holtby is playing well, right? Uh, and to be honest, Vasilevsky, uh, early on, I'm starting to wonder, but I, I think he sort of, uh, you know, found his game, his playoff mode after a while. But uh, yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't have to be spectacular against Boston. No, no, he didn't. He didn't, but I think he's certainly capable of that. But, you know, we also saw him go south in the second half of the yeah. season when he admitted to yeah. being fatigued. So he really did. And, and I, I, this one is, is to me is, is I, I think the, the interesting thing about the Capitals in this playoffs is that they've been underdogs the entire time, right? Like they, they really, and I know we talked about technically they should be favorites because they won the division. We won't go into that discussion again, but. The fact is that they actually have really been underdogs the entire time, you know, and I think it, I think that's playing out well for them. You know, I think it's I think that and I think they're playing into that again this time. This is a team that was so often the favorite that it really I think they're it feels it's got to feel great for them to be to be in this mode, you know, and I think that that's I went back and looked at the Columbus series again to try to like to try to get because I'm trying to do my prediction and really on the on the fence as well, even though I'm leaning towards the caps, but I'm I'm really on my on the fence about this. But I think the caps like in game two of the Columbus series where they lost in overtime, you know, fired fifty-three shots at 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 you know Bobrovsky. I mean, they Bobrovsky played out of his mind to win that game for for the Columbus, if you remember. That was just an insane game. And then from that point on, the the 
Capitals never lost in that series. And mm-hmm. they really only played game one kind of wishy-washy. Like they, they played five great games after that. They, they lost one of them. And then in the Capitals series, they played basically, I think they played pretty much six, six really good games. Um, I mean, there wasn't really a game in that series that you could sit back and say there was a blowout either way. So I don't know. I mean, I'll be honest. I, 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 as good as Tampa is, I do sort of think there is something with the Capitals here. I do think Holtby's playing better than Vasilevsky right this moment. He is whether that changes or not. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the speed is really close. I think both teams are really fast. TJ Oshie being added to Washington has really helped that. Yeah. Uh, I think when, when Washington put in Christian juice, as I suggested, and I, like I said on the radio, it's not like Barry Trotz listens to me, but he saw that he needed a change. That defense has been really good ever since. Like yeah. their defense has been very, very solid, and we all sort of picked it apart. Carlson's come alive. I, I really think if, if, if Holby continues the way he is, they can win this series. It is an overwhelming favorite on paper for, for yeah. Tampa, but I, I think Holby can steal this series for Washington. I do. He could, and I, I'm not overlooking the Capitals, but I, I, I just think I, I just think that Tampa Bay is stronger from head to toe, and and I have to say, like you know, because you know, the, Toronto lost out in the in the McDonough sweepstakes at the deadline, or at least that's the indication, and, and Tampa Bay had more pieces and was willing to pay the higher price, and Steve Eiserman is getting what he paid for because McDonough, I thought was their best defenseman, better than Hedman against Boston. Against Boston, true, but Boston's a lot slower, too. Right, and then maybe that won't be the case against Washington, but, but you know, honestly, I think, you know, they they he, they got their they got their money's worth when they got McDonough. I think, you know, McDonough didn't play well with the Rangers this year. He was hurt for a while, but, and he was, I think he was out when, when the trade first happened with Tampa, but... He's coming to the forefront now, and I, you know they're 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 much the better for it. I mean, Backstrom is obviously that's a huge thing, right? So that yeah. that that, that that's, 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 that's a tough thing to get by. You know, I mean that if he's if he comes to, and I, I get the sense I talked to somebody today who says probably not for the first two games, but then it could right. get interesting. Um, you know, so I think that that first two games out, you know, maybe the Caps ride their they, they beat Pittsburgh without Wilson and Backstrom. And they could have had a shutout in that game very easily. Could have had a shutout. Yeah, well, and Kuznetsov is 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 a Russian. Remember, and Russians they love being on the first line. You know, like they have this thing. Like, and he was he with Ovechkin. That was not that's working. You know, I mean, and and, and that, you really get really, the sense. Barana has been a force these playoffs, and Burakovsky is coming back. That's he's a biggie. That's, a, that's biggie. a big deal too. We forget I, that he's not even been playing. I mean, the thing that I go back to is the Barry Trotz, the confidence that he showed when he when he was interviewed after the after the that capitals game you know and when he like the last game when he said i just knew we were going to win today you know something about it he just, i i just i just it was just in the air you know and, and and he's been around a long time to get a sense of what a team's feeling like and how a team is feeling and if they had that confidence with the chance to eliminate the, the to slay their dragon like that what's to say they can't carry that confidence into the next round and and take i i, I think again today i'm gonna two that i think are are important that we forgot about like Burakovsky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it's going to be a hell of a series, actually. Be there too. You know, the yeah. interesting thing here is if Nashville wins tonight for the first time in ages, we have the the winners of each division going to the final four. Yeah, and it's more like the NBA than than it, than it used to be. But that's just the way the year went. I don't think that's yeah, it's not a common thing in hockey at all. And you know, it's it's, it's definitely not. I mean, you and, know, and let, let me just take the discussion to postseason 
Um, how much money is John Carlson making for himself with his the way he's playing in the playoffs? Lots. Yeah, he's going to be hard to keep around there um, for sure. But, I'll you know. say the same thing that I have said with all the other free agents and having watched what's going on. Take a look at where everybody is in the cap. Like, it's not like they have an entire league to pick from. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's I know. The, point, the GMs, when I talk to them, they bring that all the time up is that, you know, there's not enough, as much as we all think everybody's going to break the bank, they're only if they're willing to go to specific teams. Right. So, so I want I want to touch on the, this this game tonight again before we get out of here a little bit um, because I do think that you know I, I put it out to the I put it out to the hockey buzz world and um, you know had a couple thousand people vote now forty nine percent think Nashville fifty one percent think Winnipeg again it's just like completely skewed now that that number I think I will definitely say that you know my website is like fifty three percent Canadian forty seven percent American so. This is as close as it can get, honestly, because you know you're going to have more Canadians voting for Winnipeg, more Americans voting for Nashville. But that Canadians. that's a fair representation. Yeah. And it's, yeah. This is a toss-up game, like, as toss-up as you can get. I mean, in, in right. every way. I think that's. I mean, that's essentially a fifty-fifty because yeah. margin of error and all that. So, oh yeah, completely. Right. I mean, know. I've been I've been saying that since the beginning of the series. I thought the series was going seven. I thought these were the the two best teams in the West. I thought it was basically yeah. a pick 'em. You know, I know which way I'm, which way I'm leaning towards, but I wouldn't be surprised if the opposite happened. You know, that if when if Winnipeg wins, it's not going to shock me. I, I, you know, I'll say what I said at the start of the second round. I don't remember a second round where absolutely every series was a toss up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it was a really great. It was a great second round as opposed to the first round. And usually, the second round can be a can be a sleeper. Yeah. Um. And the yeah. and, you know the conference finals can often they they sometimes they sometimes don't don't live up to to the billing either. But this this will be I think at the end of the day the one thing that strikes me from looking at Game Six I watched it again, um yesterday was that Line A looks nervous to me. Like he just there's something about Patrick Line. Patrick Line looks like he is He's, he doesn't have the same like I not see. nearly the confidence that Austin Matthews has shown. Like when in 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 pressure situations you know it's very different. I mean, they compared a lot. Maybe it's not fair, but he just looks on you know, the power play nervous. You know, not not getting into position. Different things like that. You I'll know, tell you what the difference is with Line A with Austin Matthews. There's a lot of other things he can do in a game and does in the game to sort of keep him in the flow. Line A is expected to score. There's not right. a lot else that he really does in a game. And so when he's not scoring, there's a lot of pressure on this kid. Yeah, right? as a, as a center, Matthews has so many more responsibilities uh, in in, in yeah. a regular season game or in a playoff game. And line A, for lack of a better term, he's a trigger man. He's got to score. He has to. Oh, yeah, he has and to and, and it, it, yeah. Well, the funny thing for him, you saying he lacks confidence is, yet he's intimidating to goalies like his. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Shoots on goal. They don't like it. This yeah. Is no, he's. You know, and he looks, he sets up like, you know, Ovechkin. They see him coming, he still drills in and still gets uh, by him. Uh, one thing, the other negative about Liney, and this is a big one, is he's got to shave that awful beard. <laughs> yeah, I was going to go there, too. That's that's just awful. Like Nobody likes that, that beard. Nobody. You know, you know, I get it. It's become Brent Burns' trademark, but, you know, uh, we're not baseball players. You know, uh, enough. Uh, you know, that it was fun for a while, but. 
Yeah, well, no, it, it, no more reenactor beards. It, it, it's it's funny you bring that How up because now now with now with Lou leaving the Leafs, the the those, there's a, there's speculation of whether now all of a sudden you're gonna have a bunch of long hairs in Toronto, and I I, yeah. I, I don't particularly think so. I think they'll try to they'll try to maintain a, a certain, but but you know it's like it. I, I don't find it appetizing to see you know the the long. That's, like, that's all. I, I love the playoff beard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, li- I like that tradition. It's fun uh, there. But I just the long beards like to me, it's like, you know, we're not baseball. You know, that's their <laughs> thing. You know, that's their thing. Well, Lime says thing, yeah. he's not nervous and he says that it's the most important game of his life so far. So there you go. Well, and Line is a cocky kid too. Like you know, like I mean, he's not like a not. I'm, I remember that was the thing that struck me when interviewing Matthews and Line before in the Stanley Cup Finals before they were in the NHL. You know, seeing them side by side, Line was definitely the cockier of the two of them. You know, he had not even close, yeah, yeah. He has a totally different persona to himself than Matthews has. You know, he's completely, and you know, but Matthews on the ice looks way more confident than Line. I just um, retweeted a picture of Patrick Line side by side with a billy goat. It, it's a tough call. <laughs> it looks like you, they're going to build like a Christmas wreath on it. You know, it's like that kind of wiry thing that's you know. One 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 thing, Ak. I mean, Austin Matthews is very stoic. He so he 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 can look very calm on the ice. He can right. look very calm in him, but it doesn't mean that internally there's not something churning in there. Oh sure, so, of course. But I'm just saying about it, when they, when they have the puck, like you know, there's there's a. Liney is definitely has you know, and you're and you brought up the perfect point that Liney has one is is like a one not a one trick pony, but has one trick that he's got to do right. So that's what he's he's got to score, and that's hard in situations, especially against teams that is as good defensively as Nashville. You got to you know he's got it. The power plays are usually important for Patrick Liney. They have to score on the power play. That that's where he's got to make break. And I think that's the game tonight. I think comes down to that. I think I really think it comes down to power plays. If the, if I'm going to ask a ridiculous question, but I think it's it's legit for this mm-hmm. series. Does Paul Maurice have to game plan against Victor Arvidsson because he's just looked that good, regardless of what Victor Arvidsson normally is as a player? Um, the uh, Also, yeah. you know, do we ever remember another guy that had perfected the leap? Yes. Like, like that? I was trying to come up with, you know, like I, you know, I, I just think that's a fun thing. Like, well, why haven't we seen that before? Because <laughs> that's more distracting than just standing there, you know. Yeah. And, and and Russ, if they're if they're game planning for one player on Nashville, I think they're game planning for Philip Forsberg. Because I think they are too, but for whatever reason, Arvidsson's like been shot out of a cannon. But that's Arvidsson. That, that's what Arvidsson does, though. He does do that, and and yeah, no, no, but he's been really like. Oh, he's been he's he's gotten better all the time too. But right. he there's a reason they didn't expose him. Like that was a sure. that was something that some people thought they might expose him, and they they weren't going to expose him because he is this he's this dynamic. And in the playoffs last year was also very dynamic. You know, the um, other thing, too, is uh, yeah. has everyone noted how little, uh, how few minutes Forsberg plays compared to the other top players in the – I <laughs> haven't noticed, I'll be honest. Yeah, I did, I he did. Plays, he plays like average is like 17 and a half minutes. Now, I know it's skewed a little bit because of the number of playoff games or number of overtime games, but we haven't had that many overtime games. And yeah, no, you look they, at the other top players, um, they just play more, um, you know. And you know, it's not like he's not playing at seventeen plus minutes. But I just found it curious that you know, has he been you know based on minutes? Is he the most productive player? Um, I remember, I remember having, the, and I think this is a Laviolette thing because I remember having this discussion during the Hawks Flyers final with somebody when they were looking at and amazed at how little time you know 
they were getting you were you were seeing from Jeff Carter or you know Claude Giroux or Danny Briere how you know they really do roll he really does roll four lines you know he doesn't he, he just does that and in game sevens like this this is when you would think it would it would help you know this is this is this is why he does it he hopes to get to this spot and and it also helps them to be able to survive with injuries better than most teams I think which is why that last year you saw them survive the way they do because they have everybody has their responsibility and uh this year incredibly knock on wood how healthy they are compared to last year at this time i mean last year at this time they were already missing very key people um and and they're 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 super healthy i you know to me it does come down to renee like you say if, if renee can relax you know and because renee has he's he's super calm as a person and everything like that but he when he gets hyped up he overcommits sometimes and that can get him get him in trouble i want to what i want to do with Peter Laviolette, a guy that I like a lot. And uh, I found it's, he's interesting because um, he's so serious. I, you know, I sat next to him in a uh, less uh, uh, formal situation and we were just making small talk and he was such a likable man. And yeah. I feel like he needs an intervention. Like, <laughs> you need to get in and there should be four or five of us who sit around and say, Peter, you know, this game is supposed to be fun. I know. And you, you play a fun style. Like, how many offensive coaches do we actually have in this game that like to let the horses run a little bit? Yeah. You know, he's he's among them. But he always looks like this is so painful for him to be a part of, you know. And, yeah. I, you know, I just want him to have a little more fun. I'm not more- really serious. Like, I get it. Like, I've been in this thing for – you know, covering it for so many years. Like I know how important this stuff is. He only has fun when he's fishing. I saw a, a show where he was fishing and yeah, and smiling. He was serious. You know, but he was, I, I, I rode back from the Stanley after he won the Stanley Cup in Carolina. I was on the plane back with him and his parents. Um, and his his parents were there, and he was there, and they were. They couldn't, you know, his parents couldn't have been the op- more the opposite. And he, the, even, the, even that, in it, he just won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> it was intense. Yeah. You, know, well, it, you know, maybe I'm totally, maybe see, inside he's just having a ball, but, you know, he just mm-hmm. never shows it. And he, you know, he, you know, uh, he looks constipated, you know, <laughs> like, like he just, you know, like he's just not having a good time. And I wish he would. So my daughter yeah. compares him to the coach from Friday Night Lights. The rumor is Carrie Underwood will be doing the anthem, by the way. Oh, shock. Yeah, but you know, that, you know, for those who watch Friday Night Lights, the coach from Friday Night Lights and his intensity, very similar to the Laviolette thing. You know, like you have that, like that really like um, just everything could go wrong in the next second. I mean, the only time I've gotten a chance to really hang out with him, not in that scenario, I was at a practice one time when I was doing the Flyers thing, show thing, and I got a chance to see him Um. And the one thing that shocked me more than anything else is his, he is incredibly sharp. First of all, he's incredibly smart um, beyond most coaches and, and his ability, his anticipation in sharpness. Like he will, he would say things as things were, as the puck was coming up the ice, he would be like, uh, this is going to wrap around. This guy's going to get it. Look out. He's going to be there all along. It just had, it was like ahead of the game, like, like just so far ahead of it all. That was shocking, you know, and really surprising how, how much he is ahead of things in his mind. So, well, here, Here's the only point I would say as the argument against an intervention is like the guys that I would want to talk to them because they seem to enjoy their coaching experiences, guys like Doug Waite, Cooper, and John Hines. Um, and I'm trying to yeah. think of other guys. Now, you notice anything about all those coaches and something about Peter Laviolette? He wins. They have not. 
Yeah, <laughs> they have not won. I know. I know. <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe it's Laviolette needs to talk to my favorite coaches because none of them have won yet. I thought he would mellow out in Nashville. I thought you know you get him away from the from the craziness of the media of Philadelphia, which was intense. And uh, you know I didn't really know him very well in Carolina as a coach because I just carry I covered that team for the Stanley Cup Finals only. But you know I thought Philadelphia. I know it was intense. I thought for sure he would he would mellow out in Nashville because there's not you know there's not people do mellow out in Nashville for the most part, but. Yeah, yeah like, you know he's he's polite enough. Like I, you know, oh, yeah. not hateful. He's not. Yeah, no. it's just I just want him to look like he's having some enjoyment uh, out of this. He never looks like he's having fun. No, I mean he was actually the most as entertaining. He was might have been that Carolina Edmonton series in the post game press conferences with him and McTavish were really good press conferences. I remember that's the one thing I remember about that they both had a lot of personality. They both in Carolina. I see. I see. Yeah, I remember so. that differently. I remember that he was. He always looked pained at uh, you know trying to right. do those conferences, you know. Yeah, so know. that might have been my first. Yeah, my first time couple, he actually he actually hung around the locker room a lot and was pretty talkative, which I was surprised at because of what Kevin's saying is true about yeah. what you would see in the game. So I, I guess he does. There is a time when the pressure's off him. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's he is a f f nice guy to talk to. I you know I've had great conversations with him. Yeah. No, he's very he's he's very open and smart and. Uh, you know, but I've only had one instance to see that really like beyond the intensity. I, I remember I had a, an interview with him about advanced stats and it was one of those ones where it was a shared humor. Um, like we were talking about advanced stats and about the fact that Shea Weber, um, you know, never had, you know, good advanced stats. Right. And here I am, you know, talking to a guy that had, you know, um, you know, been to this final with multiple uh, teams and had a, you know, cup to his name. And uh, we're talking about Shea Weber and about the stats saying that, you know, he isn't as good a player as, and, you know, I'm, and I said, you know, how, how do you reconcile that? And he goes, you know, I've looked at all that and I'm interested in stats and, and he stared at me and then he just got a laugh and he goes, you know, but when the game's on the line, I'm still going to put Shea Weber. On. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You know, we both started laughing because it's, yeah. it was, it's just a silly thing. That's kind of hard to reconcile, you know? So. It is true. Um, you know, so it is interesting. And it, it, the way he's, I, th I think he's done an, an incredible job last year. I thought was an amazing job in the playoffs um, with all the injuries. And this year's, this year's matching. So different. The, he's, he's a masterful guy back yeah. there and he does it differently as Russ is much more of a tactician than I am. But, you know, Russ can tell you that, uh, you know, there aren't many guys that coach the way he does. He's, no, that's true. he's a little bit different. Yeah. One thing, um, one thing I want to I want to I want to get before we leave out of today too, Kevin is the um. So let's let's fast forward because we're not going to have you on the weekend. Um, Winnipeg or Nashville versus Vegas. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I, this is odd to say, but I'm actually taking the Predators if they win over okay. Vegas. But I, I'm taking Vegas over the Jets. Now, <laughs> I go. know that doesn't make any sense. But, oh, no, it does. It does. I think it does. Actually. Oh, I, I think the experience factor for yeah. Nashville is just going to be too much. Like they, they have learned, I believe in what they learned last year. Yeah. And I think that will offset the speed that the Vegas has and the fact that they have are playing a, a, a playoff style of hockey that they've been playing since the 10th of October. Right. Uh, they've played the same way since then. Uh, and, and Winnipeg, I, I just think they'll figure out a way to mm -hmm. slow that offense. And I think minus 155 is a favorite for Yeah. They're damn Winnipeg. You bet on their team. Yeah. 
So anyway, that's how I see it. But I, you know, again, I, I'm just flipping a coin. You know, I was thinking about throwing darts to see who I was yeah. going <laughs> to pick. So yeah, I, I, I actually feel I think I'm, I'm leaning the same way though. I think, I think, I think the Predators' defense will be a not, will be better, and that that's that's what you're going to need to stop Vegas. I think I think yeah. that's what it comes down to. It's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a contest to see what what uh, series the media wants to cover more: Tampa, Washington, or Nashville, Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave it there. I'll leave it hanging. You know, we're all pulling saying, for Vegas. I'm not saying that's against Winnipeg because Winnipeg could very 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 well win tonight. But I'm just saying if it's Nashville, Vegas, um, by plenty of Alka Seltzer and. Yeah. I want to see. I want to see what I want to see what Vegas would do with the Stanley Cup final. Like that. That's something that I would be completely. Yeah, it would be crazy. Hey, look. I'll say this too about like it's cold when you go to Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, but hey, in June it's okay. Yeah. Peter was telling us it was eighty-five degrees Fahrenheit the other day up there. Well, yeah, just... And I don't. I would love to see a whiteout. You know. Yeah. I mean, I think it's cool. I I love the little thing that Ronick did uh, the other day. Oh my god! Yeah, that was good. I yeah. think the three. I think the three. The three teams left in the West are all fantastically fun places to go for a standing. For sure. Like, I yeah. think. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think, I, I, I've appreciated the, how the uh, Winnipeg fans have gotten into it. You know, it's just awesome. And you know, Mike think, Fisher's out. By the way, breaking news. Fisher's oh wow! So, hey, I got to run, guys. All but, right, thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it. See you later. Thank you so much. So, um, so for all the let's let's rewind on this. Yep. So for all the hey, we're getting Mike Fisher because of everything else. He's not going to help him in tonight's game. I don't well, think he has to. You, can't, you can't. You can't. You can't help being hurt. I mean, that's, no, but that's I mean, when you get an older player and you start inserting him and getting used to him. It's like the Peter Forsberg effect. What? I mean, they can't count on Mike Fisher to stay healthy. That's, that's I, again. I, I don't think it has anything to do with what he, what he does on the ice. Honestly, Which, don't. Which means, well, maybe not, but which means probably a guy like Salamaki gets into the lineup tonight for Game right. Seven. Right. Which which gives them probably what is probably better for them. Honestly, I I, I mean Fisher's not going to give them much offense. He's going to win key fa- faceoffs. He's a good penalty killer, but you know they're okay with that. He's got I mean, one they're... point. He's got one point. I have him in my hockey pool, so I know he's got one <laughs> point. Yeah. Hey, he was a he was a fifty cent player at the end of the draft. I'm sorry. And, you, and he's playing like a quarter. Like a fifty. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just think that, I think that that's not what you, ex- I think what they're getting out of Fisher is, you know, they're getting, they got the locker room presence that they need. And, and even if he's not there, he's going to be in the locker room before the game. He's going to be talking they got, about What they got for Fisher is Carrie Underwood singing the anthem in game seven. She would have done it anyhow. She would have done it anyhow, but yeah, but she's more into it for sure. No, but the point is, is that when you get these older players and you get them for the cup run, like Brian Gianta was marginally helpful for a couple of games for Boston. Yeah, that was a- didn't really help. Mike, was, if he was playing tonight, you would say, "Hey, that's that's good. He could really help him." But he can't play. It's hard to get these older players. Like in the old days, you'd have gotten these guys, and they all would have made a cup run with teams thirty-five or older. And it's usually not. It wasn't ever a big problem. They would make it through. Now, Gianta was Gianta was, was good in the regular season. At the end of the regular season for Boston, and then I think he played what three games in the playoffs. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's my it's point. different though. Yeah, I mean Gianta's, you know, if if if, you're t- if Gianta was coming back to do that with the Devils, it would be one thing. But the Fisher doing it with the Predators is a different thing. I mean, yeah, I get that. No, I mean I get the overall worth, but I'm just saying if we just take away Mike Fisher and his intangibles, the age part of it 
it's hard to pick up older players now for the playoffs. That's oh yeah, cool. no, I think that's that's true. And I, 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 you know, the playoffs are such they are such a, a grind, and yeah. there's no question. And the speed, especially with the speed that they're being played at this year, just you it's know, that's, crazy. that that's why it gets. I mean, we get the long overtime games. How are you gonna how are you gonna get the three or four overtimes playing at this speed? You know, it's just like I don't see yeah. it. It's, it's, people are just gonna fall apart. I I do think that's why we're not seeing. I think we're not seeing a lot of overtimes because of that in a lot of ways. I think the speed is just so intense. They're yep. going to see endings. But um, all right, let's let, let's uh, let's call it there. Enjoy the game, guys. Only a couple hours away, and um, we'll uh, we'll be back tomorrow to discuss it and to fully get into Washington, Boston. Remember, without nope. the buzz, it's just nope, hockey. Nope, movie. nope. Washington, Tampa. Ah, right. Sorry. <laughs> Washington, Tampa. I forgot. Yeah. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. We'll talk to you then. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.